When you have a sustained run of excellence as a sports franchise, the kind of success that the New England Patriots have enjoyed since 2002, you are bound to make some rivals along the way. During the Bill Belichick and Tom Brady era, one such rivalry has grown out of the I-95 corridor, one that stretches from the greater Boston area down to the Mid-Atlantic. No, not a rivalry over lobster or crabs, Red Sox or Orioles, but a rivalry between the Patriots and the Ravens. That rivalry will be renewed this coming weekend when the undefeated New England Patriots make the trip down I-95 to take on a new-look Baltimore Ravens team under the guidance of an exciting young quarterback in Lamar Jackson. As we look ahead to that game, we can also take a look back in this rivalry to a divisional round playoff game from the 2014-2015 season when the Ravens were perhaps the last team many Patriots fans wanted to see making that trip north. I'm Mark Schofield, and this is Episode 2 of Pulpit Playback, the 2015 AFC Divisional Round game between the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. I'll tell you, what Tom Brady just did gives me goosebumps. Play clock at 5. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Here's Edelman broken up, and the pass is no sign yet. Edelman comes down with a football, and they're saying it's a catch. And we'll get another look at this. Alford knocked it up into the air, and let's see who comes down with it. Oh, that's a catch. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Tom Brady. About to be a six-time champion. Takes the snap, drops to the knee. And the Patriots have won their sixth Super Bowl title. In the early 2000s, they won three of four. Now they have won three of the last five. Yes! When the 2014 NFL regular season drew to a close, the New England Patriots were sitting atop the AFC. Despite a Week 17 loss, they had secured the top overall seed with a 12-14 record, and their home field advantage throughout the playoffs was due in large part to a Week 9 victory over the also 12-4 Denver Broncos. When the Broncos lost in Week 16 to the Bengals, that meant the Patriots position was secured with home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And despite a season that had some bumps at the outset, including a disastrous early season loss on a Monday night in Kansas City that had ESPN's Trent Dilfer declaring that the team was not good anymore, a loss that would even cause speculation about the future of Tom Brady in New England, the Patriots found their groove and put together a very strong regular season. The Ravens, however, needed a win in their final game to even get into the dance, grabbing the final wild card position in the season's final week. But then when they went into Pittsburgh during the wild card weekend and dispatched the Steelers by a score of 30 to 17, it caused some heartburn in the New England area. Why? Why did this wild card team, who needed a win in their final game just to get into the postseason, have many worried? Well, recent history was a reason. 
While the regular season record between these two teams was very lopsided in New England's favor, their postseason history was a bit more, bit more tilted in Baltimore's direction. Twice, first in a wild card meeting and then later in an AFC championship game, the Ravens came into Gillette Stadium and knocked off the Patriots. That gave New England just a 1-2 record against the Ravens in the postseason, with all three games having been played at home. The national coverage and the build-up to the game reflected that ominous feeling. Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk noted this in the wake of Baltimore's wild card win, tweeting out, quote, I've been saying for weeks, the last team the Patriots want to see in the playoffs is the Ravens. Now, they get them. A level of confidence was also found in the Ravens themselves. Walking off the field at Pittsburgh after that wild card win, linebacker Terrell Suggs informed the assembled cameras and media members, quote, we all know who we're dealing with next. Eventually, however, the time for talk would be over. The coin would be flipped and the game would kick off. As they often do, the Patriots would win the toss and elect to defer, hoping to stop the Ravens on their opening possession and establish control of the game early. Things did not go as planned. Bernard Pierce now comes in as the running back. Fake it to him, the bootleg to the right. The pass is caught. Aiken makes the catch, and Aiken takes it all the way into the end zone for a touchdown. So Belichick defers, the Ravens get the ball, it's a 19-yard touchdown, they go 71 yards in five plays just like that. That's all they do, they just hit you with a little run, then they come out with the bootleg, Ninkovich, what does he do? You see how much deeper Joe Flacco stays than most quarterbacks? And how about that? All week long you've heard the conversation that these Ravens have no fear coming in here, and it certainly looked exactly like that. Did he get in? I think he did. Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth on the call for NBC Sports. Now, obviously, that was not the start that the Patriots, nor their fans, wanted to see. But now their offense would get a chance to take the field. Tom Brady and company would get a chance to put together a drive of their own. That did not materialize. After picking up a first down on their first offensive play from scrimmage on a pass from Tom Brady to Brandon Bolden, who picked up 11 yards, the Patriots then had three passing attempts, two of which fell incomplete. The third was just a completion from Brady to Rob Gronkowski for five yards. Ryan Al would come onto the field, and then the Patriots would punt the ball back to the Ravens. The Ravens took over possession on their own 21-yard line with 10.44 left in the first quarter. They would score again. Pretty important third down for a first quarter third down. Third and seven. Flacco over the middle, juggled and caught for the touchdown by Steve Smith. And the Baltimore Ravens have had the ball twice, have gone down the field twice. Once for 71 yards, this time for 79. Great veteran route here. You have Steve Smith who lines up tight to give the image that all of a sudden he's going to go out to the outside and instead breaks across on the slant. And the story of the game so far has been the protection of this young, inexperienced offensive line. They have been sensational. James Hurst 
John Urschel, two rookies in there, absolutely getting it done. And Flacco throwing darts on target nine out of ten times for 109 yards. Tucker for the extra point. This was, to put it mildly, the nightmare scenario. The Ravens went down the field again, another long drive covering over 70 yards, and they punched it in again with a fantastic slant route from Steve Smith working against Darrell Revis. As you heard Collinsworth describe it, he lined up in tight to the formation, broke to the outside, sold Revis on an outbreaking route, then comes under his face, crosses his face. Flacco makes a great throw. It's a touchdown, and the Ravens have a 14-point lead. It was time for the Patriots' offense to put together a drive of their own, and they did, with their leader capping it off with a short touchdown run to get the home team back in the game. Sets up on the right side. All rushers to the right. Brady stepping up, heading for the end zone, touchdown. Tom Brady promoting, and well he should. The key play on that drive, that third down and eight conversion early in the drive. At the end of the day, it's 78 yards, eight plays, three runs, five passes, touchdown. Check out this out. Everybody over on this side. So where does Brady run? Of course. Nice having a smart veteran quarterback. He saw the whole mix, knew exactly what it was, and walked in for the touchdown. Brady's scramble on third and goal from the four and the ensuing extra point cut the Baltimore lead in half. And while the scramble was a fantastic play from the veteran quarterback, as you heard Al Michaels mention, the biggest play of this drive was a huge 3rd-8 conversion on the Patriots' own 24-yard line. They were facing a potential 3-and-out situation. And if they had gone 3-and-out after going down 14-0, this game turns to nut from nightmare scenario to something worse. But on the 3rd-and-8, Brady's able to evade some edge pressure, climb the pocket, and make a throw to a wide-open Rod Brodkowski for a 16-yard gain to keep the drive alive. And again, the touchdown gives the Patriots new life. Brady's emphatic spike gets the crowd going, and it set the stage for what would be the rest of an exciting first half. It wasn't that exciting immediately after the Patriots' touchdown, though, as the teams would fall into a bit of an offensive low, and they would trade some punts on their ensuing couple of possessions. The next points would be scored by the Patriots again with 3.47 left in the first half. And many Patriots fans, myself included, were thinking at this point they're going to have a chance to do their double dip. They'll get the touchdown, they'll get a stop, they'll get another touchdown, and maybe a touchdown to open the second half, and this game's going to go our way. Fortune had other things in mind. Ravens with 76 yards, thanks mainly to... Four set, second and ten. Brady slings it to the outside, a little bit low, but caught. Amendola able to dive into the end zone. Touchdown. Danny Amendola makes the catch, stays in bounds, 15 yards, and an extra point away from a tie game. Wide receiver Danny Amendola pulled in a low throw from Brady on a quick flat route to the left broke a couple of tackles and plunged into the end zone and the extra point would tie the game at 14. And speaking of that double dip, what would the Patriots defense need to do to make that happen? Force a three and out, which they did. They forced a quick three and out, 
from the Baltimore Ravens, and the Ravens punted the ball back to the Patriots with 147 left. The Patriots had a first and 10 on their own 28-yard line. This was the ideal situation. This was everything you wanted as a Patriots fan. You get down 14-0 early, but now you have a chance to pull off that double dip. You get a touchdown here, a touchdown at the start of the second half, and 14-0 becomes 28-14 in a blink of an eye. Well, that's kind of what happened. Just in a very, very different way. They haven't called his name once tonight. Four-man rush. Brady fires over the middle, and it is picked off by Daryl Smith. At the 44-yard line, Daryl Smith, so steady, so solid, really an underrated guy, 11 years in the league, mainly in Jacksonville, with a big pickoff here. Just that old Tampa 2 coverage that they run so much where the middle linebacker goes down the middle of the field, and Brady kind of threw a line drive there. I thought maybe if he got that thing up over the top of Smith, you have a chance, but he threw it so low and he knew it right away. Brady had the look that he wanted. As you heard Chris Collinsworth describe it, they caught Baltimore in a Tampa 2 defense, two deep safeties, middle linebacker dropping. You have your tight end Rob Gronkowski on a post route attacking that area of the field, but Brady makes a poor throw, and the Ravens make him pay for it. They would make him pay even more when they went right down the field and scored before halftime. Again, they go five wide from the 11. Three-man rush. Flacco throws, and it is caught for a touchdown by Owen Daniels. The tight end gets free in the back of the end zone. Brady puts his head in his hands, and Owen Daniels... Brady on the sidelines buries his face in his hands, completely despondent. Me, in the playroom of my house, spike in an office chair on the floor, infuriated what had just transpired. This was not a great moment for Patriots fans. And for one Patriot fan in particular, things were even tougher. Yes. So uh, it is January, and uh, and I had a, at the time at least, I had a one-and-a-half-year-old and a, and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And uh, one of them was sick at the time. One of them was just recovering from being sick. And my wife that morning was like, oh, I'm, just, I'm just not feeling great. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to the game. I have season tickets. I'm like, I'm going to the game. I can't miss the game. I'm going. And I'm like, you know, if you really need me to come home, like, I guess, give me a call and, like, you know, we'll go from there. So uh, we get to about, uh, I don't know, four or five minutes left to go in the first half, and she calls me, and she's like, I'm going to be sick. You, you have to come home. So I call my mom. <laughs> I left at halftime. She had came to pick me up. I shut, I shut my phone off. I shut the TVs off. I did dinner for the kids, bath and bed put them to bed and, and I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the game. And, uh, and I, and my wife actually called me into our bedroom and we ended up watching the game together. And that voice you heard right there is Pat Lane, a voice you should probably recognize as the co-host of the Patriot Nation podcast, as well as the instant reaction shows here in the Pat's Pulpit podcast network. And as you heard from Pat, he was at this game, but got the call before halftime that people were sick at home and he had to go home and be a dad and a husband and leave behind a Gillette Stadium that was in shell shock at halftime with the Ravens taking a 21-14 to lead. But obviously before he left, Pat got to see a lot of what we were talking about just a few moments ago. 
it, it was not a good feeling. It was not a good feeling. And as you, you know, as people remember, 2014, I mean, you, you got Revis, you got Browner. Like, we think that they're going on a run. And they were a good, good team. And obviously, you know, you had the you had the Kansas City game when Trent Dilfer said, you know, this team's not good anymore and everything else. And so they had the chip on their shoulder. And the defense was just unbelievable. You know, when Browner came back, they were like a whole new team. And it was like, this team's going to win it all. And we were so confident. And then to play that way in the first half and be down 14 early – and then, you know, score a touchdown and, uh, you know, and and seem like, feel like you're climbing back in it. And then to only, you know, to only have Brady throw that, you know, throw that horrible interception and, you know, you go down into the half down 21-14, um, you know, it was, it was not a great feeling. And so, you know, yeah, leaving, I was just like, I was, I was so frustrated. And then actually I had, what happened is I left my phone on. Uh, by mistake, I wasn't looking at anything or whatever. And one of my buddies texted me after they scored to go up by um, to go up by by 14 right away, right you know right away in the fourth fourth uh, third quarter. I'm sorry. He texted me. He's like, game's over. And I was like, I don't even want to know. I just shut my phone off. I was like, I forgot to shut my phone off. And thank God that was the only text I got. But um, but yeah. So you know, radio silence after that. And then, but I mean, hey, it was what a what a game, you know. So there you have it. Pat's on his way home to deal with some sick family members. I'm in my basement, in my playroom, spiking some office chairs. I don't know where you were, Patriots fan, at this halftime break, but it probably wasn't someplace bright, sunny, and light. This was a dark moment. But thankfully, there was one half of football left to be played. And thankfully, the 2014-2015 Patriots were not going to go quietly into the night. Up next, the climactic second half of this divisional round game between the Ravens and the Patriots here on Episode 2 of Pulpit Playback. Mark Schofield back with you now on Episode 2 of Pulpit Playback. Again, taking a look at the 2015 divisional playoff game between the visiting Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots. And we do pick up the action at the start of the third quarter. While the Patriots were trailing 21-14, to they would get the ball to start the third quarter. And they had a chance to, look, go right down the field, tie this game up, and get everybody calmed down, including myself at this point. That would not come to fruition. Facing a third and six on their own 30-yard line, Tom Brady looked to throw a slant route to Rob Gronkowski. C.J. Mosley was on the coverage, and the coverage was, shall we say, a bit tight. Perhaps there should have been a flag. Everybody in attendance at Gillette Stadium wanted the flag. It would not come. The Patriots would punt the ball back to the Ravens. And what would the Ravens do with their possession? They would make it that 28-14 game we were hoping for, albeit with a different team having the 14-point lead. Swing pass to Forsett, and Forsett will go uncontested into the end zone for the touchdown. They swing him out. He caught a lot of passes this season in addition to doing such a magnificent job on the ground. And in go the Ravens. Watch this. Jamie Collins, because he's going to try and get a shot on the crossing route, which is such a signature part of this defense, allowed Forsett to go that way. There were no other receivers on that side. They crossed everybody across the field. Collins looked like he tried to get a little shot on that crosser, and Forsett untouched. There's your 28-14. The Ravens would cap off their nine-play, 70-yard drive with a simple swing route to running back Justin Forsett out of the backfield. Flacco threw to him early because he was wide open, and you heard why he was open. 
Jamie Collins, the inside linebacker who is responsible for the running back in coverage, focuses first on getting a good chip on the crossing route in front of his face. Perhaps he focuses on it a bit too much because he is in no position to cover the running back. It's a simple throw and catch, and the Ravens have a 14-point lead. The Patriots, though, would finally start their comeback on their next possession when Tom Brady would link up with Rob Gronkowski for a short touchdown throw. But the pass is caught by Gronkowski. Touchdown. Brady got him. They didn't hold the disguise of this blitz long enough. They showed it. There you go. That means Gronk go to work, baby. Here it is. Slant, and I don't know how you stop that. Will Hill one-on-one. Just a quick slant inside. Even cornerbacks can't stay with that big guy. Facing a second down and goal on the Baltimore five-yard line, the Patriots put Rob Gronkowski in a Y-ISO formation to the left. He runs a simple slant route against Will Hill. It's an easy throw. It's an easy catch, and the Patriots are back within seven. But they needed a stop. They needed their defense to step up to give them a chance to crawl back even more into this game. And they would get that. The Patriots would force a three and out. They would get a tackle of Justin Forsett on a second and 10 run for minus one. And then Joe Flacco incompletion on third and 11 forced Baltimore to punt. And then came the play that many people probably remember most from this game. A touchdown pass to Danny Amendola. But it would not come from Tom Brady. Edelman in motion. Edelman takes the swing pass. Edelman's going to throw. Deep downfield. Wide open. Amendola. Touchdown. Fifty-one yards. There it is. The old Kent State quarterback. They have been keeping that one under wraps for a long time. Only question is, it has to be a backwards pass. Obviously, it looked to me like it was yep. not even close. Easy. Indeed, that is Julian Edelman's first career attempt and one he will not forget. Wow. Amendola <laughs> stretched into the end zone. What a game. Tremendous. So for the second time, New England overcoming a two-touchdown deficit. The Edelman strike to Amendola nodded the game at 28. And as you heard Al Michaels say, it was the second time in the course of this game alone that the Patriots had overcome a 14-point deficit. But now they needed to finish this game. The game would go into the fourth quarter. The Ravens would tack on a field goal to make it 31-28 with just over 10 minutes remaining. But the Patriots put together one of their championship drives. They worked the ball down the field. They got themselves in position to take the game back from Baltimore. And facing a first and 10 of the Ravens' 23-yard line, Tom Brady dropped back and delivered what many consider, myself included, to be one of his best throws ever. Brady. From the foul. Touchdown. Twenty-three yards 
still the foul, and for the first time in the game, the Patriots have the lead. Well, it's just brilliance because here's what happened. You give up all those little dinky passes, so what do you do? You bring the inexperience for Sean Melvin up one-on-one. -on -one. We haven't heard much from Brandon LaFell all night, and here he is with the go-ahead score. Just brilliant Brady. Almost that entire drive down the field, audibles, checks, and he converts it. What a game. The beauty of this play from Brady, from where I sit, is his manipulation. If you followed my work over the past couple of years and covering Tom Brady, you know how much a fan I am of his eyes. And on this play, the Ravens have a free safety in the middle of the field. Brady takes the snap, stares dead at that free safety, freezes him for a moment, and then throws this go route along the left sideline, putting it in a shoebox for LaFell for the go-ahead touchdown. And when you think about this second half and those two indelible passing plays, one from Edelman to Amendola, the other from Brady to LaFell, their images seared into your mind. And they are certainly seared into the mind and the memory of Pat Lane. Well, you know what's interesting is that it, I, think, I think the thing is is that it's, it's usually the Amendola one because it's such an amazing play like in the fact that you just don't see it all the time. And, you know, you got Jules running down the sideline, you know, going with his arm back, you know, <laughs> stretching right. his arm out afterwards and everything else like that. But that Brady throw, you know, you, you almost forget about it. And then you see it again. And when you see that throw, you're like, my God, that throw is unbelievable. And that's I mean, that might have been the best throw he made all year long. Uh, never mind, you know, never mind in the playoffs. That throw was amazing, and they were losing by three at the time. So, you know, uh, that throw was was out of this world. So I think most people probably remember the Amendola catch more, but when they see that LaFell catch, they're like, Jesus Christ, that throw was unbelievable. It might seem like it now, but there wasn't exactly time for the Patriots to rest on their laurels. After all, there were still more than five minutes left in this game, and this Ravens offense, which had put up 31 points, through almost an entire contest, they had time to go down the field and score, trailing just by four. So it would be time for another hero, the man they now call the closer. Going to be decided. Corey Smith to the left. Steve Smith to the right. On second and five. Flacco deep down the sideline, and it's intercepted. Deron Harmon comes up with the interception in the end zone. And speaking of other moments perhaps forgotten, you did mention it, the Harmon interception, because Baltimore had a chance to take the lead back. I mean, they had 146 left, second to five of the Patriots, 36. He didn't need to force that throw. Some reason Joe Flacco does. Harmon cements his reputation as the closer. Were you surprised by that decision by Flacco? How, what do you think about that play when you look back at it now? Nothing, nothing about Joe Flacco's terrible decision right. making surprises me, but it was it was a completely ill advised throw. I mean, it was just completely unnecessary. It hangs up there a little bit too much, and you know, and Harmon again, like you said, I mean, that's what Harmon does best. He closes games, and obviously that one's in the end zone. But it was just, I think that was that's kind of Flacco's mo. It's really always been his mo where he just kind of throws it up, and you know, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, and you know, it, it happened to work out for him in this particular instance, and so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sorry, it didn't work out for him in this particular instance. But I mean, even even in 2011, you know, when he went on that crazy uh, or 2012, I should say, when he went on that crazy 
uh, streak of throwing, what, 11, 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the playoffs. It's not like he was threading the needle in there. You know, he's he's kind of a deep ball guy. He just throws it up and sees what happens. And, you know, like you said, I mean, they got the ball at the 36. It's not with with what a minute, a minute 50 left or something like that. You got plenty of time. It was just it was completely ill advised. Final score, New England 35, Baltimore 31. Now, what did this game, this win, this division round playoff win over Baltimore mean for the big picture? Well, I'll let Pat handle that one. Well, I think at, the, at that time, you know, you got to remember if you if you transport yourself back to 2014, you know, the Patriots hadn't won the Super Bowl since 2004, and so you know, there's a lot of question marks about whether the Patriots could do it or not. You know, they had obviously played back-to-back AFC Championship games against them in in 2011 and 2012, and won one of them and lost the other one. And Baltimore was that team that you felt like there were lots of teams that couldn't come into New England and win. And Baltimore was a team where you felt like they'll come in and win in New England. They had done it before in the AFC Championship game. They probably should have won in 2011, even though they lost. And so, you know, and they had they had beaten us in 09 as well. So it was a team that had success in New England. And so I was definitely really nervous about it. I mean, obviously, I thought the Patriots were the far superior team. I thought they should win the game. But that doesn't always mean anything when you play it in the playoffs, especially against a team that's not afraid of you. And I feel like... You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, so many teams come in with fear and they play a game that's not their game. And the Ravens for those years just played their game. They didn't let what the Patriots are doing affect what they were doing. And I think that that's why they had so much success. And so I was definitely nervous about it. It was the last team I wanted to see in there. And of course, we get the Ravens and, and it started out really bad. And the Patriots overall, I mean, even though they scored 14 points in that first half, did not look good in the first half really at all. And so it was definitely concerning for me uh, going in. I was worried about it. And, you know, thank God they won. And the, and like you said, the next week against Indy, well, there was never a doubt in my mind they were going to beat Indy in the AFC Championship game. The Patriots would go on to beat Indianapolis in the AFC Championship game. And then they would win their next Super Bowl in, again, dramatic fashion over the Seattle Seahawks. Two games that perhaps, maybe, we'll cover on a future installment of Pulpit Playback. For now, though, I'd like to give my sincere thank you to Pat Lane for spending some time with me to talk about this division around game between the Ravens and the Patriots. Remember, you can see Pat both on Pat's Pulpit and follow along his work on Patriot Nation podcast, as well as the instant reaction shows on the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. And friends, remember, you can get all of these shows by subscribing to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. That way you can keep up with all the great work we're doing over at Pat's Pulpit. Until we revisit memories together again, I'm Mark Schofield, signing off.